All right. Well, morning, everybody. <laughs> morning again. Good to see you. I uh, was telling a couple people earlier, really, really nice to have some people here when I preach this week. So this is great. We've been preaching to an empty room for the last few weeks. And so uh, it is an honor and a, and a privilege to be back together. Happy Father's Day to you as well. I'd be remiss without saying that. Uh, and welcome. We're so glad uh, you're joining us uh, back here. We're on part four of a series that we've been doing on the book of Nehemiah. It's a biblical book, uh, and we've been calling it Difference Makers. And uh, Nehemiah is, is a book really about how God uses one ordinary person to rebuild and resurrect a city and a people for God. Nehemiah was a difference maker, we would say, but he, as we've been talking about, he wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a warrior or a king, he was an ordinary guy that God used him and many of the people around him in those days in Jerusalem uh, to rebuild a wall. He was a difference maker in his generation. He, to, he brought God's kingdom to a city and, uh, and really allowed a world to see and know the living God. And in the same way we've been saying that God um, uses used an ordinary person like Nehemiah, we've been reminded that God wants to use you and use me to make a difference in our worlds as well. We talked about this in uh, week one, but while uh, the whole book of Nehemiah sort of centers around him building a wall and the people rebuilding a wall, the book is not primarily a construction project, right? It's, that's not really the point of it, uh, but really it's about seeing God's kingdom dream realized in, in their day, about seeing God's people energized and focused and laboring together to see God's dreams and priorities and vision realized in their lives and and uh, the church and the community of that day. And, and, and in the same way, that's, there's so much in there uh, that we can learn as well. Well, today I want to uh, kind of talk about everybody's favorite topic, hard work. <laughs> Lots of cheers for that one. Woohoo! Right? We kind of think, I'm calling this message the power of vision and hustle because that's what Nehemiah chapter 3 is about. Here's what I know uh, to be true. And, Kind of stick, stick in here with me and see if this doesn't resonate with you as well. I think all of us, even if uh, you're not an innovator, even if you're not a dreamer by nature, I think all of us kind of love the dream stage. We love to imagine life being better or different or something uh, than it really is, right? We love to imagine our world being a better place. I think we all do that kind of thing. But here's what I also know. While all of us would love to have these dreams come true, very few of us actually want to do the work associated with seeing these dreams become a reality. Let me give you some examples. How many of us would love to be debt-free, to live our lives completely debt-free? Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, these people over here want to be in debt. So, no, I'm just kidding. It would be awesome, right? We raise our hands. Oh, yeah, I would love to be debt-free. Now, let me ask the follow-up questions, right? How many of us would like to limit our spending? How many of us would like to delay gratification, those things that you've been wanting? How many of us would like to, to get on the one or two or three or four or five-year plan to save up for them so that we can pay down debt in the, in the interim? Right? That's a totally different question. We're like, no, no, no. We want to be, we want to be able to live debt-free and have all of that. Right at the same time, everything that I want, the, the, the instant gratification kind of thing. It's easy to want to dream, and it's harder to live it out. Right? Am I, am I right? You guys with me? Let, let me give you a few more examples because there are all kinds of examples we could talk about. Right? Let's say, um, how many of us would say that we want to have a thriving marriage or a thriving relationship or a thriving? I mean, that kind of a thing. Like, again, what else? It's easy to say. Oh man, wouldn't it be great? If I had an awesome relationship and say, that's, that is a worthy goal, that is an awesome 
Yeah. How many of us would like to go to counseling? <laughs> marriage counseling. How many of us would like to go to uh, a marriage conference? Especially the guys in the room are like, oh my gosh, seriously. Like, a, uh, go to a marriage conference. We're going to be touchy-feely for the weekend. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many of us would like to do the hard work of learning to learning to, to sacrifice ourselves and learn to uh, lift up and prefer our spouses and learn to, or, or our significant other women? How many of us would, love, would, would like to learn to say, you know what? I'm going to learn to stoop down and serve instead of putting my needs and my desires. Like, that's a whole different deal, isn't it? That's a whole different thing. Or how many of us would like to have better behaved children? <laughs> the kids in the room are like, um, excuse me, but like, but how many, I mean, that's another one. We're like, oh yeah, but how many of us want to do the hard work of, of uh, continuing to discipline and correct a three-year-old when they're, when they're doing that same thing they're not supposed to be doing for the 20,000th time and you're exhausted and passed out on the couch. Like, I do not want to give up. It's easy to have the dream. It's a little harder to put into practice. Or how many of us would say, uh, you know, students say, oh man, I would love to have a full ride scholarship to college so that I could graduate, come out of college debt free. Oh man, that'd be amazing. That would be huge. How many want to do the work for the four years of high school leading up to that and even applying for all the different scholarships to go through? Well, that's a little bit lower on our list. It's easy to have vision. The dream part is fun, it's admirable, it's important, it's awesome. But after the dream, comes the hard work and the hustle, doesn't it? There's no substitute, as we'll see in today's passage. I think sometimes it's easy to think when it comes to the realm of faith, when it comes to God stuff and Jesus stuff, it's easy to say, well, this is different than the rest of the world. I mean, yes, maybe that's true for your finances, right, that there's hustle, but this is, when, we, when it comes to God stuff, right, we're all about grace, right? We're all about receiving what we didn't deserve, and is that true? That is completely and entirely true, right? God's grace is available to us for charge. We spent a lot of time around here talking about the significance of it. It's not based on our works. We could never be good enough. We could never do enough to earn or deserve salvation, to, to earn or deserve right relationship with God, heaven, and all that kind of stuff. That has been purchased for us because of Jesus. It's, it's available freely, we say, and the Bible says, because of his grace. And that is true. And yet... At the same time as, as the book of James talks about, as, as lots of the Bible, and as Nehemiah chapter 3, we'll see in a second, uh, faith and works are not separate, are they? I mean, faith and works are always intended to go together. The, the whole realm of living in God's grace also has ways that it plays out practically in things we do in our lives. There is hustle even that goes in the realm of faith. Faith always gets lived out. Martin Luther was famous for saying, uh, one of the times he said, yes, of course we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But he said, he said but we're not saved by a, by a faith or a grace that is alone. Meaning it always has works that accompany it. It always lives out in our lives. It's always seen by what we do. Becoming a difference maker, as we're, as we're talking about today, means being willing to pay the price to see the vision and the dream that God has put in your heart lived out. It's true in our individual lives. It's true in our church. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. So just to kind of a little setup, I talked about this last week online, but Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, there's a, a verse and a half here where, where Nehemiah, pick, he kind of casts the vision, he calls out the vision, and he says this, then I, Nehemiah, can you see these by the way, hopefully? 
says, Then I, Nehemiah, said to them, the people living in Jerusalem, You see the trouble we're in. This is not right, he's saying. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. He says, Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, then we will no longer live or be in disgrace. He says, I'm to uh, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me, that he provided uh, all that was needed. For the, for the wall to be rebuilt. So they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Again, it's, it's crazy, but, but here's what I've been seeing all week. One and a half verses of vision, right? That's, that's what we get in, in uh, this section in Nehemiah chapter 2. One and a half verses of vision. Nehemiah reminds the people of, of reality. This is not how it's meant to be. He says, this is God's city. This is God's dream to see the wall and to see the city and to see the people of God restored and rebuilt. One and a half verses of vision. Then we're going to jump into chapter 3. And chapter 3 is 32 verses of hustle. 32 verses of hard work. And as I, as I was thinking about that, like, that is like real life. One and a half parts vision followed by 32 parts of hard work. Right? That is, that is the way this works out. In Nehemiah chapter 3, it's all about the hard work associated with seeing the dream become a reality. There's a quote that I love. Uh, it's from T.E. Lawrence, also known as Lawrence of Arabia, if you've ever heard, heard of that, who said this. Oh, that was a great dream kind of uh, Kind of quote says, all men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake to find uh, to find in the day, or wake, excuse me, wake in the day to find that it was all vanity, it was nothing. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act their dreams with open eyes to make it possible. Isn't that great? Dreamers of the day are dangerous for God's kingdom in a good way, right? One and a half verses of vision, followed by 32 verses of hustle. That's totally what starting a new church is like, by the way. One and a half verses of vision, one and a half parts vision, uh, 32 parts hustle and hard work. It's what walking out of addiction looks like, right? Uh, one and a half parts vision, 32 parts of work in the process, doing the hard work to walk the path of freedom. It's what parenting well looks like. One and a half parts vision, 32 parts hard work. And that's all uh, what, what Nehemiah chapter 3 is about. In all fairness, uh, I'll just give you a, uh, kind of a quick heads up. Nehemiah chapter 3 is one of those, I was laughing and talking with Ryan about this the other night, but I'm like, it's one of those that when you start reading it, you're like, why is this in the Bible? <laughs> like, I don't know, it's sort of like Leviticus or Numbers, if you guys have ever, if you've ever felt inspired, like, I'm going to read all the way through the Bible. It's going to be awesome. And you start out and you're reading Genesis and Exodus, and it's amazing stories, right? There's, there's great, I mean, you're seeing God work and speak and transform, all this kind of stuff. You're seeing them do miracles, right? The people of walk out of slavery through the Red Sea and into the promise. I mean, this is good stuff. It, it captures your attention. Amazing stories. You see God at work. And then if you've ever kept, kept reading, read through Leviticus, and it starts talking about the sacrificial system and like what what are all the rules? It's got lists of like rules and lists of like all the, if you do that, here's what you have to go take this and slaughter it. And well, I mean, it's like all this kind of stuff. And you're like, what in the world? And then, and then you get maybe the numbers and it starts listing the census and how many people. And it's one of those things like, you start reading either. It's easy to skip over it, which I know some of us do sometimes. I mean, be honest, probably not you, but maybe you're somebody sitting next to you. Maybe has done that before. <laughs> you're kind of like, I have no idea what this is. 
what the point of this is, just lists of, of stuff like that. And either that or, or sometimes it's easy to get stalled out. And that's where the, the reading the Bible through the year uh, ends and that kind of stuff. Well, Nehemiah chapter 3 is sort of like that in all fairness, but stick with me. <laughs> it's better than you think. But it's one of those, it's a list of who all did the work in rebuilding the wall, right? Remember this? We talked about... Uh, um, that the wall in Jerusalem as a whole has been completely decimated uh, by a foreign country that's coming in, come in, uh, taken over the whole, the whole city, the whole region, the whole country. They they left not even you know even part of the wall together. They didn't leave anything in the city. They just decimated, they destroyed all of it. And uh, and Nehemiah hears about this in chapter one. He's brokenhearted, and he's like, I think God's calling us to rebuild the wall. This is the the city of God, the people of God. It's imagery of that kind of thing. So we're going to pick this up, but I want you to pay attention. I'm, I'm going to read an abbreviated portion of Nehemiah chapter 3, but enough for you to get the feel of it. Um, but I, there's some good stuff in here, so I want you to pay attention with me. We're going to read through. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along or on the Ignite app, or I'll have it on the screens as well. Another fair warning, just quickly, really, really, really hard names to pronounce in here. So I will stumble, right? You will stumble. God loves us anyway. <laughs> so that kind of a thing. We're going to read through it. Stick with me, and, and uh, we'll learn some stuff as we go. Let's kind of stop after each section and, and mention a couple things. First one, uh, Elisha, uh, the high priest and his fellow priest, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it, and they set its doors in place Building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hanan, uh, the men of Jericho built with the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built the next one uh, next to them. Verse 3, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, or something, <laughs> uh, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel made repairs, and next to him, Zadok, son of Bena, also made repairs. Everything clear so far? Okay, verse 5. The next section, listen to this, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. So you kind of see what's going on here, right? I mean, it's, it's a list. It's going through, uh, talking about so-and-so rebuilt this, so-and-so uh, fixed this. It's... Uh, it's a, it's a list of who and what tribe and what people were responsible for rebuilding the wall. The word rebuilt shows up eight times in this chapter. The word repair shows up 37 times in one chapter. The word work shows up a number of times. So if you had to guess what Nehemiah chapter 3 is all about, what would you guess? It's about hard work. It's about rebuilding and repairing and restoring the city and the people of God. Please pause for a second to say, I wonder if there's an area in your life that needs to be repaired or needs to be restored. I wonder if there's work that needs to be done in your life or in your home or in your neighborhood or in our city. Things that are broken that are not as they should be. That really need somebody to step up, need somebody to come and help repair or restore things to how they were really intended and meant to be. Maybe God has opened your eyes and given you a dream that, about things that need to change. 
I mean, man, there's a whole lot of people on social media these days that are crying out for change, aren't they? We have some of us are, are among them, and rightly so. People's eyes have been opened about a whole slew of things, and they're saying things need to change in our culture. But can I just say, just having vision, or even just posting about it on social media, probably isn't going to bring the change that you long for and I long for in our world. If you want to truly be a difference maker, if you want to see growth and change come to our society or our community, to our homes, to our workplaces, even to our own lives, it's going to require the hard work and the hustle to go with it. One and a half parts vision, 32 parts of hustle. And that's what the first thing is that I noticed in, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, uh, I, I kind of put it together. This is the lessons of, of a difference maker, right? If you go to that next slide, it says, this is a say no to the nobles, right, kind of thing. Nehemiah uh, 3, 5, it says, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't do the work is what it's saying. And I think this is interesting. I mean, anytime you start pursuing a worthy, God-given vision or dream in your life, it's so easy for us, myself included, it's easy for me anyway, to become discouraged and frustrated and distracted by those who refuse to jump in and help. There will always be some who prefer to sit on the sidelines and perhaps tell you that it can't be done or that it isn't worth it or whatever. It's easy to be lulled into apathy by others. I mean, this happens all the time in the church world and even in the community world, everything. It happens all the time in our lives. We have opportunities everywhere, all the time to have impact on our city, on our neighbors, on our region. We can serve the homeless. We can help somebody come to know Christ. We can see their whole eternity transformed. We can disciple our children. We can share Christ with coworkers and help pray with them and pray for them to become wholehearted followers of Jesus. But it's so much easier for us just to do nothing, isn't it? You know what happens when we have one and a half parts vision but no work? You want to know what happens? Nothing. Right? I mean, that's reality. Nothing. Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 5 reminds us not to be like the nobles. Right? Don't be like, when there are visions and dreams and things that God has put on your heart, when you see injustices in the world, and it's enough that it's bugging you, right? In your heart, in your soul, you're thinking about it, you start spinning like, this is not right. Could it be that the living God is behind that and nudging you and prodding you, giving, opening your eyes to have that vision and saying, would you do something? Would you take action? Would you step forward? Don't be like the nobles listed here, who now, even 2,500 years later, are only known for doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, isn't that interesting? This was written 2,500 years ago, and God thought it was important enough to mention, oh yeah, these guys, they didn't do anything. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Don't be like the nobles. It's kind of a clear nudge in that direction. They missed out on an opportunity that God had given them to be a part of something that was way bigger than themselves, a part of God's dream and God's kingdom and his people, but they missed it. Don't be like the nobles. Instead, put the hustle into your kingdom dream. Do the work. Let's keep going. Uh, we're going to jump ahead to verse 13. It says this. It says, The valley gate was repaired by... Uh, Hanan, in the residence of Zenoa, um, 
They rebuilt it and put its doors with its bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits. This is fascinating. They repaired 1,500 feet of the wall as far as the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by uh, Milkaijah, son of Rechab, a ruler of the district of Heth Hecarim. He rebuilt it and he put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Oh my goodness, Kol Hosea or something, I don't know, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam the king's, by the king's garden as far as the steps going down to the city of David. Verse 16, beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Hasbuk, ruler of the half-district of Beth-Zur, made repairs uh, up to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool in the house of heroes. All right, the second lesson that I get from this and what I was thinking about this week and I was kind of laughing about it, it's like, uh, I, I think I said, don't despise the dumb gate. <laughs> I was thinking about it thinking, man, can you imagine, can you imagine, let's just do a, a show of hands here. Who would rather, and just, I'll, I'll ask it first and I'll get a show of hands. Who would rather work on the house of heroes or would you rather work on the Dungate? <laughs> I mean, who would say House of Heroes? Yes, probably all of them. Dungate? Anybody? Any brave souls? All right, we got one over here. Right. Who wants to work on the Dungate? I'm like, I was laughing about that, thinking about probably doesn't smell very good over there. I don't know what's going on. But I was like, you know what? There's something about it that is actually refreshing to me because I'm like, man, there are some times in life when it seems like when, when we're kind of looking around and we're comparing, we're like, why does everybody else get to work on the King's Garden and the House of Heroes and that kind of stuff. And here I get stuck at the dung gate, right? That's what God has put me, he's put in front of me, he's asked me, to like why, this is just not fair. It's easy to kind of start looking around and comparing and getting discouraged. It's easy to start thinking that just our, you know, our own dreams are so insignificant and so small that it doesn't really matter. The stuff that God has put on our heart is just, my contribution doesn't really, it's so small, it doesn't, it can't really make a difference, can it? It's like a dumb game. But you know what? What's interesting to me here is that even the smallest effort given to God, the slightest work, the smallest step given to help accomplish God's dream and purposes in this world, each one of them matter to God. Those building the dumb gate got the exact same amount of credit and mention as the people working on the House of Heroes. It doesn't matter to God. Because the wall was built, because the kingdom was built, because each person did their work, did what God had asked them to do. Now, I was thinking about it, and it makes sense, right? I mean, if this is a, a, a wall that is built to protect the people of the city, right? It's a defensive sort of wall. Even if all of the city is as the wall that's rebuilt, let's say it's 10 feet high and I don't know, five feet thick or something. It's an enormous wall and really hard to get over, really hard to scale, that kind of stuff. And it goes all the way around the city except the dung gate didn't get rebuilt. How effective do you think that would be from keeping the enemies from coming and taking over the city? Right? The wall is only as strong as its weakest point. It didn't matter what it was that you were asked to rebuild. God used it and, and used their work together collectively to make a difference. It kept people out. It kept the, the armies and the enemies out. It brought protection and safety to the people of God. It provided a place for them to worship, a place for them to live, a place for them to be. And it mattered to God. 
the wall was built. Now, the New Testament uses similar sort of language and similar sort of things when it talks about the church and talks about it like we are the body of Christ. Each one is, of us is given specific gifts and talents and abilities, even dreams and visions and whatever else to be used to build up his kingdom, right? The body of Christ. And we're told that each there's no more important part than the other other than Christ, right? But he's, he's specifically given each one different talents and spiritual gifts and abilities. And, and, and we're told in a similar way... It, that there isn't like a hierarchy. You don't look uh, to one person or another and say, oh, well, their, their gifts are better than mine. No, each one is absolutely critical. Each one matters to God. It matters to God. It's a calling that he has given to you and you are called to fulfill. Don't get distracted comparing or looking elsewhere. He has called you to be a difference maker. So don't compare, don't get discouraged if you feel like you're building the equivalent of the tongue gate, if that's the part of the body that God has given to you. It all matters to God. It's all significant and important and needed no matter how small. Take what God has put in your heart. If it lines up with his word, take it and run with it. Put some hustle behind that vision. Adil Moody once said this, that was great. He said, there are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do the little things. And you know, I think that fits into Nehemiah just perfectly. It doesn't matter if it's the dumb gate or the house of heroes, right? It doesn't matter or anywhere in between. Us following and serving and building God's kingdom, right? And, and following where he leads and doing what he has put before us, it all matters. It's significant and God will use it to make a difference. Let's keep going. It's the last chunk I'll take. Verses 27 through 32. It says this. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Enar, made, uh, made repairs opposite his home. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate, he made repairs too. And next to them, Hananiah, son of Shemaiah, I don't know what this is, <laughs> and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite the living quarters, his living quarters. Next to him, Milkaijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants. Opposite the inspection gate, and as far as the room above the corner, between the room uh, above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. Clear as day. The thing that was interesting to me about that is how many times it keeps mentioning each in front of his house, each in front of, or opposite his living quarters, each one made repairs uh, where they were. That's the third kind of lesson that I was seeing in this this week is do what's before you. Right? I mean, I think it's interesting. Uh, Again, just kind of repeats that over to build the wall right in front of their own house, right where they were. And I was thinking about how often maybe we feel like we don't know what God is asking of us or for us. We're not sure what our part is in God's kingdom dream. Maybe we don't feel like we've got our own dream. We don't know exactly where we fit in. I wonder if that's the case. I wonder if God isn't speaking here just saying, just build and hustle with what I've put right in front of you. Don't know where he's called you to build? Maybe he's calling you.
you right now just to, to, to hustle into developing a Jesus-focused, God-honoring, and selfless marriage. Maybe you just need to, to serve and love and share Jesus with that person that's in the cube, net, cube, excuse me, the cube next to you or on the line next to you. Maybe God's calling you to serve here at the church uh, and, and to kind of do uh, an opportunity right there. It might not be the house of heroes, but maybe God's calling you to say, just jump in and help with something. Help with, help with setup or kids ministry or tech or worship or whatever. Maybe God is saying, just build right in front of you. Maybe literally he's calling you to build the kingdom by loving and serving and reaching out to your neighbors. Maybe in this season you just need to invite him over or you know, have a campfire or whatever, have some sports. Maybe he's calling you to help with a yard project to somebody else or write a note of encouragement to somebody who needs it. It doesn't matter how big or how small. It matters to God. And you can use it for his kingdom. Two, what's before you? Well, I'm not sure exactly what God might be saying to you today. Maybe there's uh, something that he's put on your heart and uh, he's been bugging you about it for quite some time. Maybe you've complained about it. Maybe you've posted it about it on social media. It could be anything. It could be the homeless problem that we have in our city. It could be racial inequality and injustice. It could be teenage moms and your heart just breaks wide open every time you hear about one of these things. It could be uh, marriages that are falling apart. And it could be your marriage that's falling apart and it's just breaking you over and over. And maybe God's saying just Build what's right before you. Would you do something? Take action. Start investing your life into seeing change come into that area. It's time to put some hustle into that dream. Maybe it's time, maybe you don't know where to start with that. Maybe it's time to start learning some stuff and going places where, where those people are that you can help and make a difference in love and serve and whatever else. Maybe you've been following Jesus and doing the hard work, but you feel like your contributions amounts to building at the dumb gate. You feel like it's nothing. It's unseen, it's unvaluable, it's unimportant. And maybe today the living God is speaking and encouraging you to keep at it. Right? Keep at it. Because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's never too small to count. It's never too insignificant that God can't use it. He's at work more than you could possibly imagine, so keep at it. Or maybe you don't really feel like you're living as a difference maker these days. Maybe most of your life is about what's whatever is easy or best for you or your family or whatever. And maybe today God is speaking to you and nudging you and calling you to become a difference maker by starting with whatever he has put right before you. Maybe it's time to put some hustle in your family relationships. Maybe it's uh, serving your wife or fighting for your marriage or discipling your kids or feeding that homeless guy or whatever. Maybe it's by reaching out to those neighbors. Just start praying for them, invite them over, whatever. Love them, serve them, point them to Jesus as he opens the door. Maybe you're not really serving right now at night. Maybe God's just saying, to, asking you to step up and uh, to get to work pursuing the kingdom dream here at night. If you're interested, we'd love, of course, to talk to you uh, more uh, help you find a place where you fit and where you can make a difference. Friends, each one of us has a specific part uh, that God has called us to play in building God's kingdom. And we need you. Don't just stop with a dream. Don't just stop with that holy discontentment which you put it to work. And he'll use your efforts and my efforts to bring his kingdom in power as we follow him. Well, over, over the next few weeks, we'll get to see the rest of the story, how God uses these ordinary people, each one as they do their part, to rebuild a city 
to see his kingdom come in power, to see his people kind of restored uh, in their homeland. And God, God chooses them to actually rebuild this wall and restore the people in a jaw-dropping 52 days, right? Less than two months. Uh, it's, it's considered miraculous in that they affect it so much so. I mean, this rebuilding a wall would take years. Right? It would take years and years. It was so so much so, we'll see this as we read through the rest of the story, that the neighboring nations started freaking out and they were terrified. You know why? Because it was evident to them that the living God was at work. You know what? As you and I step in and put some hustle, right? One, one and a half parts vision combined with 32 parts of hustle, right? As you and I start stepping forward into these kingdom dreams, that we know the living God is going to work through you and through me too. We're going to see his kingdom come. We're going to get to see and experience and know his power and his plans and his intervention in our world, in our lives. And we'll get to be a part of, uh, of an amazing work of God. Let's, let's kind of close in prayer today. Father, we thank you for uh, the fact that you have good plans, that you are not a God that is far off. You are not a God that is distant or that is dead or that is you know, whatever, but that you are here and present and at work in your people. You are building your kingdom uh, even in the here and now. Father, we thank you that um, each one of us, you have given specific gifts and talents and dreams and visions to you, that you have called us to build, to help build your kingdom, whether it be in our home, in our neighborhoods, in our church, in our city or in our world, that you have good plans. And Lord, we forgive us for so easily being uh, content to just have a vision or just to complain about what's wrong with this world. And instead, would you be shaping us into difference makers, people that will step out, that will follow you and follow your prodding and your nudging and will step out and invest our lives in a way that makes a difference for all eternity. God, we are willing. Please open up our hands. We open up our hearts. We say, come, Lord Jesus, come and lead and guide. Come and speak. Come and give us those visions and those dreams and then give us courage to step out, to serve, to follow, to love, to build uh, what you have put before us. We love you, God. We need you. We, uh, we just lift up all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.